Welcome to the Students of Surgery podcast series, where we shed light on common surgical topics. Welcome back to our hepatobiliary podcasts. And today we have Dr. Henry Pretorius, a hepatobiliary surgeon from Steve Beaker Academic Hospital, who's going to be talking to us about infective liver lesions. Welcome, Dr. Pretorius. What are the different types of infective liver lesions that we have? Well, there's basically three main types uh, that I would uh, want you guys to know about. Uh, it would be the biogenic, um, which is a bacterial abscess. There's the mimic liver abscess, which is from Intermuba histolytica, which is an uh, organism found in water. And then there's the hydatid cyst, which is a parasite, which is usually found in sheep. What are common causes of pyogenic liver abscesses? You can divide it, pyogenic, into two main groups. Um, one being it being a single organism that's causing the abscess, or there can be more than one organism within the abscess. So it's called a, a monomicrobial or a polymicrobial um, biogenic abscess. And the main causes for monomicrobial abscesses are usually from a systemic source, meaning um, outside the portal system. So it could be from something like dental work, IV drug users, heart valve lesions, indwelling catheters, etc. Um, and then your polymicrobial organisms are usually um, found within the gut. So if there's pathology in the gut that has spread via the portal venous system to the liver, these could source from a, something as mild as a, as a appendicitis um, up to something like a perforated peptic ulcer, cancer of a colon or even of the esophagus and, and, and quite a few more. Intermeba histolytica is a single-celled protozoan that is often secreted as cysts and eventually becomes active parasites in the gastrointestinal tract. Most people become infected with contaminated water or handling contaminated soil. How do people get hydatid disease? Okay, so hydatid disease is a parasitic infection. It's a, um, it's a cyst found in sheep. People and sheep live in close proximity. When the sheep get um, slaughtered, a lot of the cysts can be found in the sheep's intestine, and sometimes dogs would then eat this intestine. And the dog forms an inter intermediary host. The cysts and the larvae get shed through the dog's uh, feces and from as a fecal oral route to, back to the human. Let's make a clinical scenario for you. Um, there are three patients who come to the emergency department. All of them have some form of a liver abscess. One is a hydatid, one is an amoebic abscess, and one is a pyogenic liver abscess. And maybe we can just work through how we would differentiate between those three. In the history, what are the pertinent points that you would look for to differentiate between those three, between those three patients? As we said before, um, uh, amoeba associated with, with travel history. So if the patient giving you history that they've traveled abroad and come back um, within the last three, three to six months, this should be in the back of your mind that it could be amoebic abscess. For uh, biogenic abscess, these patients are severely ill. So usually they come in sick. They can be have signs of shock, hypertension, tachycardia, they can be pyrexial. It doesn't necessarily exclude the other two, but it's much more likely than to be biogenic. Um, whereas with, in history on a echinococcal cyst, these patients usually will tell you they grew up in an area uh, where there's a lot of human and sheep contact. For example, in South Africa, um, which is one of the endemic areas, probably the Eastern Cape is most endemic to, to echinococcus. Clinically, how would you differentiate between the three different abscesses? 
Okay, so firstly, look at the vitals. If the patient is, is in a signs of shock, one must really think biogenic um, liver abscess. Um, if the patient does not have signs of shock, whether they present you clinically with uh, maybe a mass in the right upper quadrant, dull pain, some malaise, one would usually think this could either be a mebic or a kinococcal. It almost completely excludes a biogenic abscess. But one has to remember that even if the patient has fever and signs of shock, it could still, in rare cases, be one of the other two. To differentiate between amoebic liver abscess and a kinococcal cyst, I think a lot of the emphasis is once again on the history of traveling and where to, um, and whether they're from an endemic area for a kinococcal. Um, I think ultrasound and imaging would be your main clinical criteria to help differentiate between those two. Now that you've mentioned imaging, are there certain pathognomonic features of, of the different abscesses that would maybe make the diagnosis for you? To understand what they look like, you have to know what they contain. So a pyogenic liver abscess contains the bacteria with dead tissue and debris and neutrophils within the abscess. And those on imaging, you will see a fluid-filled um, uh, mass but it will have debris inside. There'll be what they call um, almost like a star, starry appearance within this. It's like these little white spots within the abscess. Whereas if you have amoebic abscess, the contents of the abscess is um, actually just dead hepatocytes. The organism lives on the periphery of the what we call the abscess and secretes a, a lytic enzyme that actually kills the hepatocytes so the organism can survive. This leads to an inflammatory response and edema also around this abscess. So on an ultrasound, it will look a lot like a, a pyogenic abscess. It will not probably not have septations but it will have a halo sign, almost like a little darker ring around the abscess before you find a normal um, liver parenchyma. What about the echinococcal or hydatid cyst? The echinococcal um, cyst has uh, got a very distinct uh, features. It's a fluid-filled sac. It's clear, clear, clear fluid contents in certain instances, then it's a dead cyst or a very active acute cyst but they can have salicylites inside, so it's called it's a sand appearance, and it's got a very thick wall layered. It's got three distinct layers. So the inner layer is um, also known as the germinal layer, um, which is where the scolices are found. And then there are two distinct um, pathognomic features that you can find on ultrasound for echinococcal cyst. One, if you see daughter cysts, which are exact replicas of the mother cyst, they're just smaller or if you see the watery sign where the inner layer is peeled off and is floating within this, this watery um, fluid or clear fluid content. The kinococcal cyst has got different phases from, from active to dead. All of these can appear different. For example, the entire wall can calcify and then it's a dead cyst. So the WHO has classified um, it into different um, phases and different features of endococcal systems. It's worth a while to go look at that. If the ultrasound is not diagnostic, are there any other imaging modalities that we can use to help us make a diagnosis? Just to, to understand that ultrasound in most cases would be able to assist you with the imaging part of diagnosis um, in, in infective liver lesions. But in the rare instances where you still require better imaging um, to help you differentiate, there are definitely other modalities which we could use. We can use a um, triphasic um, CT scan, um, which would assist you, like for the biogenic, you'll have the arterial phase enhancement, limb enhancement, 
Whereas with the Equinococcal Cyst, you'll have all the features that you do over an ultrasound, but just on CT. What would be the blood test that you would do for these patients? Okay, so like any patient, you have to first test the patient clinically. So if the patient comes in and uh, is ill and sick, your inflammatory markers, CRP, white cell count, all your, your liver function tests to see how is the hepatocellular function, etc., affected by this disease, um, all those are important to, to be drawn. But this is part of the general assessment and it's really more of a non-specific. But if you want to talk about specific markers for each, one to remember, if you have a biogenic abscess, we still haven't determined where it came from. So we have to determine which organs are in there. So if the patient is sick, a blood culture needs to be drawn when you see the patient. Before you start antibiotics, if the patient is not that sick and you think this might be amoebic or echinococcal cyst, then there are serological tests that we could do to assist us in differentiating between the two as the, the management of each different infective region is com completely different. Therefore, we can do echinococcal or amoebic serology. Would you still do serum antigens for hydatid and amoebiasis if you've got pathognomonic imaging features? Um, yes, um, I would always still do the serum counts. No test is 100% specific or sensitive. So the, if you can confirm it in two ways, it will be better. Secondly, um, if you have a positive serology for the one or the other, it can assist you in determining whether your ther therapy was successful. Um, with uh, amoebiasis, I'm seeing the count coming down within six to nine months, whereas with echinococcal cysts, it will take very long. It can take years, but at least seeing a downward trend. If you don't see a downward trend, it can either show that the patient is not compliant to the medication or that your therapy is, is not effective can be due to where the parasites is. Um, for example, extrahepatic disease in equinococcal cysts. How would you manage a pyogenic liver abscess? For pyogenic liver abscesses, all patients that come in first need resuscitation, obviously. And I'm not going into that um, specifically, um, but to manage the abscess itself, um, you have to determine whether or not this abscess requires drainage. If an abscess is small, so less than five centimeters, the patient is hemodynamically stable and, and, and fairly well, these patients do not necessarily require drainage and could be managed with antibiotics. But bear in mind, this decision should be made by a specialist, um, not by a general practitioner. And then once the decision was made to um, either manage the patient with antibiotics or to drain the patient, when you come to drainage, there are different ways in which we could drain this abscess. First prize would be if you can drain it percutaneously. That is, if this is an isolated abscess, there's no other symptomatology in the patient of any other source. So, for example, if a patient has acute appendicitis, I would rather do laparoscopic appendicectomy and drainage of the abscess than percutaneous drainage and an open appendicectomy. Firstly, we try to do things as minimally invasive as possible. So if percutaneous is not feasible, then one would look at the laparoscopic possibility. And if laparoscopic is, is not possible, which is highly unlikely to not succeed, one would can then look at open surgery as an option. But once again, remember to look at what is the cause, cause a perforate peptic ulcer, one would probably do it open. How do you treat amoebic liver abscesses? So to manage an amoebic abscess, it can be managed medically with um, what you guys know as flagell or metronidazole, um, and they usually respond. But in this case, you have to look, if is there an indication to drain? Whereas 
Biogenic, I sometimes almost want to say, is there a contraindication? Whereas with this, is there indication? The indications would be if there's a risk to rupture. Is it going to rupture into the peritoneal cavity? Is it going to rupture into the lungs, into the pericardial sac? And this could be either where it is. Is it the left-sided liver um, abscess? Or is it near the dome of the diaphragm? Um, or is it extremely big? The next question obviously has to be, how would you manage your hydrated liver abscess? One has to ask, is the patient symptomatic of it and are they at risk of developing um, any other problems from this? If it's a dead inactive cyst and it's an old frail patient, I don't think you should even uh, manage it. But the mainstay of managing um, echinococcal cysts, if they are small, would be to manage them um, medically. Once uh, they reach big, symptomatic, or if, they, if the patient is at, at risk, then one should look at at other means of managing. So medical management will be albendazole, um, it's a mainstay. And, um, but if you're going to manage it surgically, there are quite a few options. How do you prescribe the albendazole? So albendazole is prescribed in what we call cycles. So you give it for three weeks and then they take a one week holiday and they have to have a minimum of three cycles to, to ensure that you've, treat, you've treated the, the disease. But to remember, even when you decide on surgery for these patients, they still require medical therapy and at least one cycle prior to surgery, as the risk for, for rupture goes um, alongside the risk for anaphylactic shock. Why do they need the one-week drug holiday? The albendazole gives um, bone marrow suppression and uh, their white cell count can drop. And so therefore we give them a one-week holiday just for the immune system to recoup and then continue again. What can we offer patients who require more than just albendazole? So when we talk about surgical options, there are three mainstays. It's, there's your percutaneous techniques, there's your laparoscopic techniques, and then there's your open techniques. Classically, they usually do this open. Pack the area with a scolicidal agent to ensure that you don't get spillage onto the peritoneal cavity. Then they used to enucleate the inner layer of the cyst and basically deroof the rest, and then rinse it out with a scolicidal agent. Less invasive techniques, they've started with what we call the pair procedure, which is a percutaneous aspiration, installation of scolicidal agent and re-aspiration. Uh, there's a bit of a risk in that as you cannot well control if there's going to be spillage. So a lot of people have almost favoured the laparoscopic technique. Basically the same thing, but you also get to, to remove the total inner layer and also remove all the parasites that you can macroscopically see. The other problem you can have is if you do the percutaneous technique, the only scolicidal agent that's available for the percutaneous technique is, is alcohol, um, near 100% alcohol, which is extremely um, dangerous if it gets into your biliary system. And you have to determine that there's no biliary connection between the cyst um, and the bile ducts prior to doing a paired procedure. Thank you. That's been a great overview of the three types of infected cysts in the liver. If we give, maybe give you another clinical scenario, how do you approach a patient who has a pyogenic liver abscess, but we do not know what the source of the infection is? Once a patient has been managed in the acute phase and they're better, we still want to um, see if we can determine where it did come from. There are quite a few things that can assist us with this. One is we look at the culture on the pus that you've sent when you drain the abscess. 
If the culture comes back as a staff or a strip, then you can really think this is from a systemic source and it could be from uh, IV drug use. You have to investigate the patient for infective endocarditis, so you can do an ultrasound of the heart or an echo. You can examine the patient maybe if he has a rotten tooth. Did he have dentistry done recently? And just re-go through the systemic um, sources. And and then if you find a gram-negative organism or a polymicrobial culture, then you you should actually intensify your search within the GIT. We can do an upper endoscopy, a lower endoscopy. If the patient has got no symptomatology and nothing else was found, one could think of it as a resolved um, um, scenario. But just remember that occult malignancies can predispose you to uh, liver abscesses. So I would then still, if the patient fits the bill, let's say the patient is older than 50 and has some other risk factors for for abdominal malignancies, I would still um, think of doing a contrasted CT scan. Would you be able to give us some final points around liver abscesses? Yes, I think just to summarize it, there are three types that you have to know of. Um, there's the pyogenic, there's the amoebic, and the echinococcal. They present, in most cases, differently. I think the important thing to, to do is to make a diagnosis before you treat. And if you're going to drain a patient percutaneously to exclude echinococcal cysts to prevent anaphylactic shock, and at the end of the day, this is a specialist problem. So if you are encountered with a, with a liver um, lesion or liver abscess, this patient requires urgent referral to a surgeon. Thank you very much for your time and a very interesting talk. This edition of the Students of Surgery podcast has been produced by TuxFM. Visit www.tuxfm.co.za for young, fresh and relevant content. That was another edition of the Students of Surgery podcast series, where we shed light on common surgical topics.